What's up, y'all? Today we gather here with Kai, Finn, and myself, Abraham. Today's topic is about how does the prison system work, and do the and those who are incarcerated end up being rehabilitated upon release and institutionalized racism in our legal system. Okay, let's start. Okay, let's get started off with what kinds of programs are offered in Australia that helps prisoners. Finn, do you want to start us off? Well, Australia uses multiple community corrections such as parole, community service, and probation. For more serious crimes, prisons are available for people as young as 10 despite the world average being 14 years old. While awaiting trial, prisoners may be kept in specialized remain centers or within other prisons. Altogether, throughout Australia, there are 115 custodial correctional facilities which cost taxpayers more than $5 billion per year, averaging, averaging around 330 per prisoner each day. After the trial, all prisoners undergo reception and assessment before being placed in a prison unit, which correlates to a prisoner's severity and their needs. Generally, during their time in prison, they are required or expected to take part in work, education, and training-based activities to better prepare them for a life after prison. Abraham, can you tell us more about these rehabilitation programs? Sure. So far, our Australia, uh, so far, Australian, Australia's prison system mainly focuses on three main programs for the inmates. These include educational services to help inmates receive further education and schooling, employment services to help criminals find jobs after prison, and offense-focused programs to mentally support criminals who have been convicted of mental health pro problems and troubled minds. Well, did you know that 53.1% of prisoners reoffend when they are released? Personally, I believe that our programs are failing if we are not able to maintain our prisoners and rehabilitate them properly. It might be a reflection of the programs as they do not sue everyone, as it clearly shows. That's an interesting point. What are your opinions about the programs, Abraham? I think these programs are pretty good because instead of prisoners staying in cells doing nothing, um, these programs can help them learn skills they've missed in early life. They can also talk about their feelings in theoretic services in prison office, in that the prison office, in which I find is really good because a lot of inmates probably can't afford these services and I think it's a waste of time if they're just not doing anything. I think generally they would enter these programs as they don't have much else to do in prisons, so they would just rather do them instead of looking at a wall. How about you, Kai? I believe that rehabilitation programs in prisons can be, can be beneficial for both inmates and society as a whole. Programs can provide inmates with the skills and resources they need to successfully reintegrate into the community upon release. For society, rehabilitation programs can help to re reduce reoffending rates, which can save money and improve public safety. However, there are an overwhelming number of cases that show that it isn't this simple. Some systems don't benefit anyone. In some cases, they can actually do more harm than good. Okay, now that we've looked at our prison system, how they work, and the rehabilitation programs, that they, let's have a look at some cases. Abraham, do you want to share one? 
sure thing. I read a case about an Aboriginal teenager in which the justice system failed him. Both of them were in prison. He ended up being a victim of brutality. His name is Dylan Vol. Early in life, he had a very troubled life, breaking another child's arm in kindergarten and being ex expelled and excluded from primary school. In Alice Springs, as he kept on assaulting other children, Dil Dylan was in and out of juvenile detention since he was 11 years old for car theft, robbery, and assault. Then, at age 17, he was in adult prison. During that time, he got involved in more than 300 prison incidents of self-harm, ass assault on staff, and others, some of those victims requiring a hospital hospitalization. Since then, he, he, was, he was jailed for abrogated robbery and endangering a police officer in 2014. He has served two of the three sentences given to him during a drug fields crime spree in which he attacked a man and tried to run down a policeman. He spent time in Alice Springs Youth Detention Center and Behavioral Management Unit at Dondell Youth Detention Center in Darwin. Dylan had a long history of self-harm and suicidal actions requiring intervention by staff in juvenile facilities. During that time, he was restrained by the neck. This was when he was 11, 11 years old and then physically thrown into a cell, isolated, stripped naked, and tear gassed. In 2016, footage of him being shackled to a restraining chair within the Adult Springs Correctional Center was leaked to Four Corners. Four Corners then aired an episode about this horrible treatment. This shocked the nation, as I didn't even notice that this was happening to young children within their own country. Furthermore, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull announced a Royal Commission on the Treatment of Youth in the child protection and youth detention systems in the Northern Territory. Also, it should be known that the mistreatment in the youth detention center had been widely reported prior to the Four Corners report, in which I find quite disgusting because why did it take a live footage being aired on TV for the people and the government to instigate change to realize how Aboriginal children are getting treated in detention camps. In 2017, he has been released from prison and has de devoted his life for children in youth detention and their treatment. In a statement he said a few years ago, he said, and I quote, I want to be known as a young man, a survivor that break, broke out of a system like that and continues to fight. This goes to show that Australia's prison system is not perfect and it can be improved wow that is horrific have you got any thoughts on this case kai are there any points that may interest you i definitely think there is a reason for this bad behavior which isn't necessarily his fault being that young in that position can be very impressionable to a young mind and changes how you perceive the world having a criminal record at a young age also won't give you a very positive outlook on the world and it will limit your ability to find work outside of prison. Do you have anything to add to that, Finn? Honestly, it's horrible. <laughs> so, Finn, would you like to tell us about your case? Sure. 
I've chosen the case of John Peter Pat. On the 28th of September 1983, four police officers had just returned to Roeburn after drinking at a pub in Caratha. They entered the hotel and made it clear they were quite hostile. They made several rude comments, which witnesses later testified in court. After leaving the hotel, they started tussling with an Aboriginal man, which led to a fight. John Pat saw this and jumped in to help the poor man, but was struck multiple times in the head and ended up falling over and hitting his head. John was thrown into a cell and left unoccupied or washed. Around an hour later, they came back in to check on him to find that he was dead. The police then later pleaded not guilty and said that their actions were in self-defense. The public was outraged by this event, said that their actions were in and used this symbol as outrage and oppression towards the native people. The judge found the four officers guilty of manslaughter and the all-white jury acquitted each officer of universe verdict. Any opinions on the case? Well, first of all, the case is quite horrific, honestly. Very just had to see that inequality and racism that the police officers had towards the innocent Aboriginal men. I feel that reflects us... It reflects on us as a country that horrible events like this are still happening. It's, it's quite hypocritical as well that the officers were under the influence of alcohol during this event and how they abused their power. Another thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that the jury for this case was all white, which may or may not have caused a big bias as there was no Aboriginal representatives, which seemed wrong to me. I feel like they should have had a say in this. They did, however, end up using this case as a movement for the Native people. What about you, Abraham? What do you think? Well, I agree with Finn and his opinion. And um, something I find is unfair, like he was saying, is that he had a whole... The jury was all white, and I think it should have been more diverse. As it was an Aboriginal person being prosecuted, so it makes sense for him to be judged by his fellow peers for more fairness. And like you said before, I find it very sickening that the police office police officers pleaded not guilty for the crime it shows they don't show any remorse and they're gonna live their life knowing that what they did wasn't that bad do you want us to tell us about your case kai of course kumanjari walker was an aboriginal australian teenager from the town of uh Yunendu in the northern territory he was fatally shot by police on the 9th of november 2019 Walker was born in Alice Springs and grew up in Yumendu, a remote Aboriginal community 290 kilometers northwest of the city. He was a member of the Walpiri people. Walker left school in year 10 and worked various odd jobs before becoming a young youth worker at the local community center. He was, a passion, he was passionate about music and was a member of the local band Young, Black and Deadly. On the night of the 9th of November, 2019, Walker was shot dead by police in Yumendu. The circumstances surrounding his death are still unclear, but it is known that the police were called to the community after reports of a fight. Walker's death sparked outrage in the Yumendu and across Australia. Thousands of people marched in Sydney, Melbourne and other cities to demand justice for Walker and an end to Aboriginal deaths in custody. Constable... Constable Zachary Rolfe, one of the four police officers from the immediate response team, attempted to arrest Walker on the night he died. And was he was the officer responsible for shooting Walker three consecutive times. He was acquitted of all criminal charges over the incident, and he remains an active member of the Northern Territory Police Office, office and will appear as a witness during the inquest.
Walker's death has highlighted the ongoing issue of Aboriginal deaths in custody in Australia. Aboriginal people make up just 3% of the population, but account for 27% of all prisoners. They are also more likely to die in custody than any other group. Aboriginal activists say that Walker's death is yet another example, example of the institutional racism that exists within the police force and the wider justice system. They are calling for a royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody for a fundamental change to the way police interact with the Aboriginal communities. The shooting of Walker has sparked outrage and protests, many calling justice for Walker and anti-police violence against Aboriginal people. It is only time will tell if this tragedy will lead to real change, but it is clear that the community will have rightfully had enough of being treated as second-class citizens in their own country. Walker's death has also reignited the debate around these around the use of guns and by police in Australia. While guns are still routinely carried out by police in many other countries, they are relatively rare in Australia. The majority of police officers do not carry guns, and most police stations do not have guns on site. However, in the case of Walker's death, some police officers have called it for a change in policy, arguing they should be armed in order to protect themselves and the community. The issue of guns and police in Australia is is a complex and emotive one. There is no easy answer, but Walker's death has shone a spotlight on the need of a more thoughtful and considered approach to the issue. After following and reading the events of this case, it further shows me how messed up and cruel the justice system is, if you can even call it justice. To me, it doesn't sound very just a lot of time to think that people who serve and are meant to protect society have so much unhinged power and can get away with the most horrible crimes. Meanwhile, the family and community have suffered so severely and will possibly have very little reparations. At least the community is still fighting for change and will hopefully be able to make something from this horrible time. Damn, it's so sad to see the people who protect us in our society doing horrible things and especially seeing innocent Aboriginal people being killed because they, and they haven't even done anything. Yeah, super sad about this injustice and inequality towards our Native people. Honestly, just horrible to see. So, overall, guys, can you tell us what we have learned from this podcast? So, in this podcast, we have covered three cases of Charles Arnold Walker, John Peter Pat, and Dylan Voller. We have also covered our prison system, our rehabilitation programs, and whether they work or not on our native people, and if they reoffend after going to prison. Okay. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Subscribe.